Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Original music and hosted by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2019. Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights, and I am your humble host as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, so, last week I, discu- I discussed the uh, New Zealand tragedy, and uh, the left has been playing right into uh, what the monster, what the maniac, whatever you want to call him, uh, playing right into his manifesto. Um, you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, and Bernie Sanders pretty much calling for gun confiscation overnight. Um, and in New Zealand, you have all sorts of people turning in their firearms because um, apparently that's going to stop things. But uh, before I get into that, uh, I also talked briefly last week about the Mad Mommies and what they were planning... Uh, well, some of the gun myths that they debunked, quote-unquote. Um, and then I used some real statistics and actual numbers to disprove that. Uh, I was only able to get to one, uh, and maybe I'll pick one a week and, and do that. That might stretch it out a bit. Um, and i i I did some digging some more digging, and I found that ultimately what their fear is uh is completely irrational surprise surprise um so I'm gonna start off with this. I think it's quite humorous um this is a graph that I compiled with uh, a lot of data that shows the aggravated assault trends or rates for each year for the the following states. Now, these states all have constitutional carry, with the exception of Texas. Um, and you can see this big black line here. Uh, this is Texas. And what you see is, uh, I'll pull up the raw, raw data so that way um, uh, I can at least tell you what it what it's showing. Uh, over on the far left, you have 1998, and on the far right, you have 2016. It's a bit dated. Uh, I compiled this data several years ago. Uh, for just such an occasion, and it just so happens to have come in handy now. Now, I don't have the firearm-related uh, violent crimes uh, singled out, uh, and that's a lot A lot of that has to do with um, sometimes states don't keep specific trends like that, or it's incomplete data. And so I just went with what is uniform across all of the states, and that is aggravated assault rates across the uh, these various states. We have Alaska, Arizona, Kansas, Maine, Mississippi, Texas, Vermont, and Wyoming. Now, um, this rate is per 100,000. So starting at the bottom, you have zero, and then at the top of the y-axis, you have 900, which is 900 per 100,000. Now, um, if you want to pull out your trusty calculator, we are going to do this together because it is important uh, people want to know exactly uh, how much this is, how big of a percentage this is. And you can see all here that if I have 1,000 per 100,000, that's 1%. And so if I have, or, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, that's 1%. If I have 900 per, per, per 100,000, that is... 0.9%. Okay. It's important that we denote that because they want this to make, they want to make this out to be like it's some crazy conspiracy or crazy epidemic, not conspiracy, a crazy epidemic uh, that is plaguing across each and every state of this here union. And if we don't do something about it, then everybody's going to die. Okay, that's what's going to happen. People are going to die if we don't get the... Stop these criminals from getting these guns. Now, 
also important to note that this is all aggravated assaults. Uh, Firearm-related aggravated assaults are actually a huge minority, and whenever you get into specifically homicides, um, it, it's uh, hundredths, thousandths of a percent because you're talking about rates that are uh, uh, in the single digits per 100,000. Uh, per 100,000, so it gets very, 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 very tiny, um, which is why these statistics are presented in rate per 100,000, because nobody wants to say, well, the homicide rate in these year United States is 0.0034%. So, um, I mean, it, it's just outlandishly large, and it's not, but I digress here. So let's get back to this here. Uh, graph that I made up and you can see that Alaska is is the highest in 2016 uh, their uh, aggravated assault uh, rate was 804 per 100,000 um, and that's substantially higher than even what came in second which you can see this dark red line here uh, as Arizona which was a little bit over half of that. Uh, it was 470 per 100,000. Now, what's interesting is if you look at this, look at the year 2010, because that is when um, constitutional carry was enacted in Arizona. And if you follow the line there, you see even more of a drop. You can see it was on a downward trend uh, as it was heading or as it was uh, as it was going from 1998, it kind of rose a little bit, and you can see this across uh, even most states. Uh, Texas kind of follows that trend, and then they both kind of decrease. And then in 2010, um, well, it just kind of levels out, and then you see a little peak here off in 2015 and 2016. Uh, this is not the massive spikes that the Mad Mommies are claiming happens when constitutional carry is enacted. Down here, these two states down, down here at the bottom that are kind of doing swirly-twirlies around each other at slightly over 100, uh, these are Vermont and, uh, not Wyoming, that is, what state is that? Um, hang on. I need to pull up my data again. That is Vermont and Maine, uh, both of which have constitutional carry. Vermont has had constitutional carry essentially since 1919, I believe, when the state Supreme Court struck down their permit law. Um, but you can also see that um, Wyoming, uh, I'm sorry, Maine, rather, they enacted 20, uh, constitutional carry in 2015, and you can see it really had no effect whatsoever um and so you see essentially what this proves is it debunks their their myth quote i'm sorry debunks their debunking that constitutional carry uh somehow makes uh somehow makes these gun related crimes increase or makes violent crime increase or makes homicide increase it debunks that. It, it completely disproves it because it's actual data that shows that it doesn't actually happen. Uh, and I said last week that a lot of things, whenever it comes to trends like this, have to do with cultural aspects of it. Um, Vermont and Maine are both very rural states for the most part. They don't have a large population or even a population center for the most part. Um, I think Portland is the largest city in Maine. Uh, I could that's I could be, be wrong on that, I, but I think that's true. Um, and so, so whenever you talk about these things, they don't have large centralized population zones. Like they don't have a Houston, they don't have a Dallas Fort Worth area, they don't have a Los Angeles or a uh, Chicago even. And what these large concentrated populations do is it increases the rate at which crime happens um the smaller the population the more likely it is for a criminal to be caught or thwarted because of the fact that 
it's a smaller town. They can identify who their who their perpetrator is easily because you know that's why you hear about small towns that uh, everybody knows everybody's name and nobody has to worry about locking their doors. And the reason is because whenever you live in a rural area, crime is always a lower uh, crime is always exponentially lower than uh, population hotbeds. So um, it's important to, to, to recognize that. And, and whenever you get large population states, you're going to have a higher crime rate. Doesn't matter what you do. You can ban guns if you want to. You're still going to have a higher crime rate. Uh, people like to point to England and how England has this become this beacon of uh, what gun control should look like because their gun homicide rate is down low. Well, we know knife attacks are up, and in the city of London, their homicide rate supersedes that of New York. However, ultimately, if you look at the UK as a whole, their violent crime and even homicide rate are substantially lower than the United States, and it has to do with population density. The UK is not a densely populated area outside of London. So whenever you get outside of London, crime in general plummets. You can see this in every developed country that you look at, including New Zealand, including Australia, including uh, France, Germany, whatever. You get outside of the urban centers and you see crime decrease. It has everything to do with that. And so when the mad mommies come here and say, look, it's going to increase crime. No, it's not. It's, going, it's, it's not going to have any effect on crime because criminals already don't follow the law. Any trends before or after are only going to be hiccups and or just uh, not hiccups, but uh, differentiations in years. Okay. Every time, you know, you're, you're going to have some years higher than others. And another thing that we need to realize is that whenever you do put these, um, uh, whenever you do put these uh, statistics in X per 100,000, you need to understand what that means. Why is it that they present them in that? Uh, because even if you get, you know, 500 per 100,000, that's half of the 1%, and no homicide rate is anywhere close to that. Even, um, I was looking at the homicide rates last week, even in El Salvador, which has the record highest uh, homicide rate in the world and also has a substantially uh, lower amount of gun ownership uh, per capita. But even looking at that, it was, I believe, 60 or 70 per 100,000. That's 70 per 100,000, which is uh, 0.07%. It's... It's still really low whenever you consider the population at large. But whenever we have to present these statistics in a way that our brain can somewhat wrap our minds around it, well, then you can't tell a narrative that you want to tell. And I, I, this is, again, uh, I'm not going off to say, suggest that the reason not that our or any other government presents these in. Uh, X per 100,000 is in some conspiracy to, to trick people into enacting gun control or whatever it's just an easier way of representing it but at the same time it doesn't translate the same way as just uh just stating it as a raw percentage which is i don't know it's it's just it it dumbfounds me that we even have to have this type of conversation uh but whenever people are spreading false propaganda around like the like moms demand action we have to take that up and one of the things that they're floating around the capitol right now uh you can find these flyers around the capitol at austin is talking about how crime increases whenever constitutional carry is enacted um and this just it just proves that that's not actually the case let's go back to this real quick i want to highlight a couple other things one thing that you can see is that uh, the state of Arizona, um, well, uh, I'm sorry, not the state of Arizona, but Kansas, they enacted constitutional carry in 2015 as well. And like I said, anything before or after is just blips and data. We see here a decrease. 
that's that's just a daily trend. I'm not suggesting that their enacting of constitutional carry is responsible for this decrease. If it is, it's at a negligible level that you can't calculate. Um, and one thing that they do like to highlight is Alaska here and why it is so high. Um, it kind of goes against what I was just saying and how the more sparsely uh, populated your area is, the, um, uh, the more rural your area is, the lower your crime rate is. And that's statistically true. Alaska is kind of an anomaly in that, in the fact that um, they have a huge state and a low population, but most of their population is concentrated in uh, Anchorage and in Juneau. Uh, they are concentrated in smaller areas, or they are concentrated in city centers. Um, if you were to take the population of uh, Vermont or Maine and put most of their population in one center, you would see crime increase. Um, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move on here to Texas. This is the website for Speaker Dennis Bonin. And he is actively blocking constitutional carry for us. He is, uh, he is preventing us from inact from getting a hearing and we have been urging people to call his office every day. His office number is right here, 512-463-1000. And here is what we need you to do whenever you call because it is incredibly important. One, we need you to be kind and cordial. We need you to be professional. I shouldn't have to say that. Um, and for the vast majority of you, it, I don't need to. Um, but I understand that emotions run high whenever it comes to things like this because, believe me, I get frustrated dealing with uh, dealing with this myself at you know on behalf of Lone Star Gun Rights, and so does AJ, and so does Justin, because here we are living in the state of Texas, and yet somehow we are having to fight as if we're in California or New York to get the most pro-gun legislation we can get passed, passed, or even to get a hearing on it. Speaker Bonin played this very well from his standpoint. Not well for us, obviously. But whenever session started, he appointed Pancho Navarez, who is an anti-gun Democrat, to chair the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee, which is the committee that constitutional carry would have gone to. Uh, there's, no, um, there's no requirement that it goes to that committee. But historically, all gun bills that have to do with the public carrying go to that committee because it kind of makes sense being public safety, quote unquote. Um, he could have assigned it to state affairs. He could have assigned it wherever he wanted. Uh, but the historical trend has been to the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee. And whenever he assigned Pancho Navarez to be chairman, he gave Pancho Navarez, essentially, as chairman, he has the authority to do whatever he wants. He has the authority to kill bills, he has the authority to bring bills up for a hearing, bring them up for a vote, or he could just table them and never let them see the light of day. Uh, the chairman has a lot of power in a committee. And Speaker Bonin is a rhino. And there are a lot of Republicans, I would be willing to say, the majority of Republicans in Austin are rhinos particularly whenever it comes to gun rights. They do not care that um, gun rights are a natural right. They are perfectly fine with the status quo. And until they are forced to, uh, until they are forced to, to view it otherwise, and by that I mean until it hits the floor for a vote, they are going to continue to treat our right to bear arms as a government-given privilege. If it hits the floor, every Republican is going to vote for it because they can't afford not to. They cannot afford to vote against it. And they can't even afford to have like um, uh, most Republicans absent from the vote because then uh, it would still cause political backlash. So the, the, the tactic has always been, even when Strauss was um, even when Strauss was uh, was speaker, 
was to keep Republican hands off of this as much as possible. Um, he assigned it to a committee where it either died last session. He allowed, or last session, he, uh, Phil King was the, um, chairman of the committee and he brought it up for a hearing and even passed the bastardized version out of committee. Uh, but all of that happened after a long delay with the attorney general's office, uh, talking about how child support is important whenever it comes to gun rights, because somehow your right to bear arms should be tied to whether or not you are delinquent in child support. Well, what ultimately happens is uh, Phil King was able to, to make the claim that he passed it out of committee, and so his hands are clean from it. Uh, but the thing is, the calendars committee is required to schedule a piece of legislation that it gets, which is where it goes after a committee, after the original committee. It goes to the calendars committee for, for scheduling for a floor vote. The calendars committee has a rule that says it has to be scheduled within 30 days. Well, Phil King passed it out with less than 30 days left in session, so it was able to die in calendars, and it washed Republicans' hands of it. When Bonin came in and, and took the gavel, he couldn't play that same card again because then it would just be too obvious. So he assigned Pancho Navarez to be the chairman. The chair, uh, Representative Navarez can act however he wants to act, and it's not unexpected of him. It would be far more unexpected of him to actually give it a hearing, to actually pass it out, and there wouldn't be any real negative consequences for him doing that. The left will protect their own, and especially if he votes against it on the House floor. He can say, look, I opposed it, but I passed it out of committee, and let's be honest, the left does not care about parliamentary procedures like that either. But with him able to kill it, it keeps the hands of, the, of Republicans clean, and the only target that we have as a result is Speaker Bonin, which is an incredibly hard target to find, or to, to uh, take down, because he is incredibly powerful, and he is an incumbent, and it's much more difficult to target somebody that is in a leadership role than is not. So whenever people are calling the Speaker's office, uh, his secretaries and aides are telling people that he has no control over what happens in the committee, which from a technicality standpoint is true. However, we all are smart enough to know that as a result of being speaker, you can prioritize anything that you want and you can politic your way around whatever you want. Um, just as an off the cuff example, if, uh, if speaker Bonin really cared about constitutional carry and he went to Pancho Navarez and said, Hey, uh, I want you to vote it out of committee today or else you're not going to get a committee next session. Well, that would change things really quickly in how things are going, but uh, it, it wouldn't happen it, because Dennis Bonin doesn't care about it. Whenever he... Um, oh, and another thing that people are, are, are being told is that um, he is just... he That their comments are being relayed to him, which uh, they probably are to an extent. I do know that um, in a meeting that we had, um, Lone Star Gun Rights' name was brought up and how much people are calling, which I thank you for very, very much because we cannot do this without y'all. Um, and ultimately what's what's happening is he's stone stonewalling and it's not a, it's not unexpected. He was a driving force behind um, expanding gun-free zones on college campuses when the college uh, uh, when the campus carry bill was being debated. Um, and so he's not a friend to gun rights, and he never has been. He'll tout his A rating with the NRA uh, all day, uh, and it's really hard to challenge that whenever you never actually have to vote on anything. So what he's done is he's made it to where Republicans don't have to vote on it again. Had it gone to the floor, you better believe every Republican there, no matter how much of a rhino they are, would have voted in favor of its passage. Um, 
Now we still have things that we can do. We still have uh, we still have avenues we can take to apply pressure to try and get this uh, prioritized and pushed. But it is getting exponentially harder. After April third, there will be less than thirty days left in session. So even if it passes out of committee, uh, it could still die in calendars. But it's still not dead until uh, until the session is over. Uh, one other thing that I want to bring up here. Uh, this is Dennis Bonin's re-election website, his campaign website, and I have gone through this, and I can't find anything about. Usually, whenever you see a um, whenever you see a political website that's like, what's the issues? Where he stands on the issues? Well, this about Dennis tab it talks about uh, what he's done. And here's some community activities he's been in and some awards and accolades uh, and some legislative highlights. But I don't see where he talks about anything that he stands for. And that, I mean, that, that's anything. Where he stands on tax reform, where he stands on property taxes, where he stands on um, constitutional carry, where he stands on any gun law or gun bill. I can't even find where he stands on abortion here. Because... Well, if he puts that on his website, I guess he has to at least somewhat get uh, behind that. I just found it to be interesting that his website doesn't list anything that he's in favor of or against. It just talks about inside, uh, uh, just talks about what he has done. Uh, tried this insiders report tab, and it's basically just some press releases that, uh, well, again, doesn't tell anything or anybody where he stands on any particular issues. He says, I work for you, but I, I guess clearly he doesn't, because um, if he did, then he would be, um, then he would be getting constitutional carry. Anyway, I'm sorry. I am rambling a bit. Let's move back on to New Zealand. Um, and this struck me, uh, struck a chord with me. After New Zealand, um, they are banning assault rifles, quote unquote. They, uh, let's see here. New Zealand is banning all assault rifles, high capacity magazines, and military style semi-automatic rifles in response to the massacre that they had. Um, their, uh, or I guess their attorney general, I forget who that is. Uh, the ban goes into effect immediately and would be followed by legislation next month. Thank God we have the Constitution that separates powers. Oh, wait, never mind. The uh, um, the ATF bypassed our legislature. Anyway, uh, New Zealand citizens should make arrangement to turn in their weapons under the new law. On March 15th, uh, well, that's the attack. And here is, uh, oh, she's the prime minister. Here is her statements on this. If it will security that's uh, annoying i don't want an ad my apologies ladies and gentlemen i should have played this beforehand anyway um here she is but one was notoriety and that is why you will never hear me mention his name he is a terrorist he is a criminal he is an extremist, but he will, when I speak, be nameless. And to others, I implore you, speak the names of those who were lost, rather than the name of the man who took them. He may have sought notoriety, but we in New Zealand will give him nothing, not even his name. Well, that was worthless. That's not what I was going for. I thought that that was going to be about his... Um, I thought that was going to be about his, uh, about the ban. Uh, oh, this one's it. My, man, I, I've got to get better at this live thing. I am all over the place and, um, it's embarrassing. It really is. I'm great whenever I can edit things, <laughs> not to toot my own horn. Um, and, but what she said there was actually factually false just because of the fact that, um, uh, just because of the fact that he said in his manifesto, if anybody had bothered to read it, that uh, 
he didn't care about fame because you couldn't even remember the names of the 9-11 hijackers. Uh, anyway, here is her talking about uh, the assault weapons ban. New Zealand will ban all military-style semi-automatic weapons. We will also ban all assault rifles. We will ban all high-capacity magazines. We will ban all parts with the ability to convert semi-automatic or any other type of firearm into a military-style semi-automatic weapon. We will ban parts that cause a firearm to generate semi-automatic, automatic, or close to automatic gunfire. In short, every semi-automatic weapon used in the terrorist attack on Friday will be banned in this country. So that's really interesting considering that, um, uh, considering that what she, or what was also used was a pump shotgun, but nobody wants to, Nobody's talking about banning shotguns. Uh, this is all just fodder for people to... It, they're targeting one weapon, but not the other. And all it proves is that they don't actually care about controlling the, um, controlling the flow of arms. They make people believe that they are, but ultimately it doesn't matter. New Zealand's gun laws are already stricter than the U.S.'s, although they, from a global standpoint, they are actually quite lax uh, from, from most of the world. But even still, you have to have permission. You had to have permission for firearm ownership from local law enforcement, all sorts of other stuff. And this guy still had his weapons. And I don't know exactly... That, well, there's not a law on the books that would have prevented this from happening. I'm pretty sure it's already illegal to kill people in cold blood. I'm just saying. So whenever these, uh, when, whenever the prime minister is talking about, we're going to ban all of this. Well, why don't you ban shotguns too? He used a shotgun. Oh, is that because it actually has an application and it's popular? I guess. Well, wait, no, because AR 15s are pretty popular too. Popularity has nothing to do with anything. You just have demonized uh, a particular weapon because that's what the political narrative has told you to do. Um, and what's even more awful about this whole thing is that New Zealand is falling right into it. They are doing whatever they want to do. This is from the Hill. Uh, New Zealanders turning in firearms after mass shooting. Uh, the New Zealand police confirmed that international news agency that at least 37 firearms had been handed over across the country as of Tuesday evening. Now, keep in mind, this is New Zealand. They have a much lower uh, gun ownership rate than we do, um, and they don't have uh, 350 million firearms floating around. Uh, and here is one in particular. This guy, John Hart, uh, tweeted this picture that he is turning in his AR-15 which is chambered in 762, clearly, uh, for destruction. And he turned in one magazine. What the hell? What happened? He's turning in one magazine and one box of 762. And he tweeted, Until today, I was one of the New Zealanders who owned a semi automatic rifle. On the farm, they're a useful tool in some circumstances, but my convenience doesn't outweigh the risk of misuse. We don't need these in our country. We have to make sure it's hashtag never again. So, uh, the problem is that, are you suggesting that you're at risk of misusing this firearm? Because a firearm's not going to get up and do what it wants. And if you're saying that the, the convenience it provides for you as a tool on your farm is somehow uh, not worth the risk of misuse, that means that you are the one who is scared of misusing it. Does it not? Or are you suggesting that uh, despite the fact that the vast majority of these are used properly, that the risk of misuse is so great that you want everybody to turn it in? Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. You want everybody to turn it in um, because one guy did something horrific? Hmm. Well, if anybody had bothered to read his manifesto, you would realize that this is exactly what he was wanting 
This is exactly what um, he, this is exactly what he said would happen. Uh, he he didn't mention much about New Zealand doing it. I'm sure it was expected, but it's already happening. Uh, it's already happening here in the U.S. Um, here is from Town Hall. Ocasio-Cortez pushes for a gun ban, playing right into what he said would happen. The New Zealand shooting, blah, 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 blah. She tweets this. You know, instead of training ch children, teachers, and houses of faith and concert goers to prep for being shot, we could just pass universal background checks, disarm domestic abusers, mandate safe storage, ban bump stocks, which has already been done, thanks Trump, semi-autos, and high-cap magazines designed to kill people. Um, I'm sorry, but this is where you really irk me, because not only do you not care, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, about the natural right of property. You want to steal people's property and redistribute it across the entire nation and give everybody something that they haven't paid for. But you also don't care about the natural right that people have to defend their property against people who wish to take their property for themselves. You don't care. You don't even recognize the existence of a natural right. Period. End of story. You believe that Rights only exist because government has given them to us. Government doesn't give us crap because in the state of nature, there are rights that exist. And our rights that exist are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, I'm sorry, the life, liberty, and property. And the pursuit of happiness is also a natural right. Because whatever we deem fit to uh, pursue in our lives is our right. The only thing that we do not have the right to do is infringe upon anybody else's natural right. And that is exactly what you have been advocating for the government to do. That is exactly what the government has been doing for over 100 years now in various different means and at various different levels. Hell, the state of Texas still has some of the highest property tax rates in the U.S. And we act like it's, a big, like it's no big deal. Property tax means you will never own your property. Property is a natural right. It exists without, or it exists in the state of nature. If you are in a, in, a, in a state that is absent of government, there is no government. So a state of anarchy. If you till a field and you grow corn, that corn is yours because you grew it. Nobody else may lay claim to it, rightfully. There are laws of nature. There are rights of nature. And Government has been crapping all over these for generations. I am tired of hearing about this and how we need to give up more of our liberty. Have you ever thought about how little liberty we have left in this country? We are still the freest country in the world, somehow. And yet, name one thing that you can't do that isn't taxed, regulated, or prohibited. That, that doesn't violate the natural violate the rights of others you in order to own a gun you have to uh go and pass a background check you have to fill out a form that is submitted to the atf you can only own certain types um god forbid you have anything on your record because them felons they can't have any guns because they might do bad things even though they two bad things regardless of what background checks you and I have to pass we have to get a, a, a special permission slip from our state in order to carry a handgun but not a not a rifle or a shotgun we have to say yeah you know, well uh, I want to uh, I want to want to carry a handgun no I have to ask for permission first I would like to own my property and build on it no you need permission from the county before you can build on it Oh, you want to uh, you want to add a room to your house? Sorry. Oh, you've paid off your house and you own it outright. You have the deed in hand. Make sure you pay us our annual extortion fee. Otherwise, the state will come and seize it. Oh, you would like to drive a car that you own and you bought and paid for on roads that you also paid for through the use of tax dollars? Oh, sorry. You need to register it first with the state. And you need to pay that annually. 
or biannually. Oh, you want to uh, uh, you want to grow a particular plant? Uh, sorry, that that plant is illegal because you you'll get eat up with the dope if you do. You grow it. Bad stuff. It's the, it's the devil's lettuce. I'll tell you. Tell you what. We don't have liberty in this country anymore. What we the limited amount of liberty that we do have, it, I am a, a thousand percent sure that our founding fathers would cringe at the idea. We are actually less free now than our founding fathers were in 1775. Think about that. In 1775, people were taking up arms over the fact that there was a uh, three pence per, uh, per pound of tea import tariff. Three pence per pound. That essentially raised uh, the price of tea from about $17.75 in today's currency per pound. I don't know the last time you bought a pound of tea was, but it raised the price from $17.75 to just under $20 a pound for leaves. That That is... If... if, if your pound of tea was raised by a dollar and 25 cents. You wouldn't have thought much of it. But that's what the British crown did. And that's what led people to start talking about rebellion. And ultimately, that is what caused so much civil discourse. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not civil discourse, but discourse did happen. Um, but civil unrest that the British decided, you know what, we need to take their guns, otherwise they might start shooting at us. And then that's what ultimately led people to start shooting at them. Over some tax on it, import tariff on a tea. On tea. Now, it just so happens that the tea that was importing it was a monopoly that was going bankrupt and the Crown wanted to bail them out. Uh, oh wait, that happens today too. We don't have liberty in this country anymore, man. It is so infuriating see I told you that my emotions get high uh, get heightened whenever uh, whenever I start going off on these tangents and I understand so uh, again whenever you call the, the speaker make sure that you are calm and collected and not uh, angry like I am anyway um, I just think that it's atrocious that we claim to live in a free country and well clearly we don't Anyway, that's going to do it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you, uh, whenever you call the speaker, be kind, be courteous, be professional, and communicate exactly what you want. Ask for specific updates. Ask what his plan is to get it to the House floor for a vote. I don't care about getting it out of committee. I want a floor vote. Anyway, uh, they might ask for your name and address. Give it to them. And until next Sunday, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.